Welcome into the Tanner Rebello Show. It has been a long, long time since the Tanner Rebello Show last was in action, but today we're going to talk the latest in the New England Revolution and the news that is frankly surrounding the club over the last couple weeks with the departure of Brad Friedel and Mike Burns, and then we're going to talk some Pawtucket Red Sox and how starting pitching has really plagued them this season and what's going on with Ruiz Negastillo. Welcome to the Tanner Rebello Show podcast, where you get informed on the latest news in Boston sports. Presented by TrifectaNetworkSports.com. I'd like to welcome everybody into the Tanner Rebello Show. It has been a long time since we've done an episode, but with the Pawtucket Red Sox season in full swing, the New England Revolution season in full swing, and the Boston Cannon season kicking up next week, it is about time we start creating content other than articles on TrifectaNetworkSports.com. As everyone knows, my name is Tanner Bello, hence the show's name. I've been covering the New England Revolution for three seasons, the Paw Sox for three seasons, and the Cannons uh, just this offseason and running into this season. So... I have a wealth of knowledge um, on these teams, and, and quite frankly, there's just not enough coverage about them. Um, maybe the Revolution will come around with Bruce Arena, but quite frankly, you know, you might have seen some extra faces in that press conference when he was introduced, but as of yet, the press box is still fairly empty at Gillette Stadium. Uh, Pawtucket Red Sox, this is another team in the area. I know they're leaving to Worcester two seasons, but this is a team that legitimately only has one major news outlet covering them, and then us. And quite frankly, that's not good enough. Um, you've sort of seen this void in local news and local sports news. And a lot of it has to do with money, obviously. And we're going to do it as long as we can. And we've been up and running for over three years. Um, so, you know, this show today, we're going to talk about the normal revolution, this sort of turmoil and then success of play that they have had since removing Brad Friedel and Mike Burns. And then we're going to talk about the Pesaka Red Sox. And this is a uh, AAA baseball team that is struggling this year, uh, struggling mightily too. They had good pitching in the month of April, and then the month of May, the rotation imploded. Uh, and they started getting good hitting. So a lot to talk about here. And um, make sure to follow me on Twitter, at Tanner Rebello, And make sure to follow us on Facebook, at Trifecta Sports. Hope you guys enjoy the show. I was going to kick today's show off talking about the Pawtucket Red Sox and sort of where they're at in their season, but instead this first official segment of the Tanner Bello show is going to be sort of taking a look at Dustin Pedroia and um, sort of the news that has come out over the last couple of days, including Monday's press conference um, at Fenway Park where he sat alongside Dave Dombrowski and Alex Cora sort of discussing his future. Um, if you're not where on May 24th in a rehab game for the Portland Sea Dogs, Dustin Pedroia, a three-time World Series champion, removed himself from the game. Um, Pedroia's been dealing with a knee injury that has been reoccurring and has sort of been plaguing him for much of the last two years. Um, at 35 years old, you know, Pedroia was a player at second base who left everything on the field. He won gold gloves. He has all the accolades. His trophy case is quite full alongside those three World Series championships. Dustin Pedroia is a gold glove winner. He's won an MVP. He's <laughs> was a rookie of the year um, and truly is probably one of the more 
entertaining players to watch throughout his career and has been a centerpiece of the Boston Red Sox organization and a cornerstone, quite frankly, since 2007. You know, it's obviously tough to see Pedroia go through that. I know when he was at McCoy, he would always say he felt good. Um, that was just a couple weeks ago. And he would brush away the notion that he was going to retire or had the chance to retire. And I remember last season when he was with the Paw Sox rehabbing from the same injury that, you know, he was touting on how quick he's recovered and he's the quickest ever to recover from this injury and, you know, what have you. But, you know, I think reality has set in with Dustin Pedroia, who said, I'm not sure if I'll be able to play again. That's what Dustin Pedroia said on Monday at Fenway Park. And that is a complete 180 of what Pedroia has been stating throughout this entire process. And I think that's just the reality hitting him. Um, he's taking a break. He was placed on the 60-day IL uh, Dave Dombrowski, the president of baseball operations, called the move indefinite in terms of Pedroia, and there really isn't a timetable from the return. Uh, he says, some days I feel fine, and an hour later, walking is tough. And when you get into a situation like this with Pedroia, with a player who has that kind of injury, you know, quality of life post-baseball comes into play. And at 35 years old, Pedroia is not willing to sort of hang up the cleats, but I think this is a period of time, or at least this is the first time He's indicated that, hey, I have to you know, take a step back here and reassess where I'm at before I can make a move. And I think for Red Sox fans, it's tough. But I know on the comments that I've seen, especially on our posts at TrifectaNetworkSports.com, a lot of fans are just wanting Pedro to sort of go away. And I don't think that's indicative of how they feel towards what his contributions were to the organization. You know, sometimes it kind of gets tough when you see a player like that and do you want him to take a spot away from Michael Chavis he ever comes back or a position like that or Brock Holt or Marco Hernandez is in Pawtucket who will probably likely warrant a call-up in the near future who is also working back from injury. And I think the long-term solution still at second base is up in the air. Uh, I don't think Michael Chavis is you know long-term second baseman and I don't know if they have that answer within the organization. But I think for, for Pedroia at this time, this is what the right decision was for him. I don't think it's fair to say, oh, you should just retire. Uh, I don't think it's as simple as that. Well, first of all, he's getting paid a lot of money. Uh, and if he doesn't want to retire, that's his decision at 35 years old. That's up to him. If he were to come out tomorrow and say, I officially retire from baseball, can't blame him for that. But to blame him for wanting to stick this out, is foolish, candidly foolish. Uh, and for the organization, if you're wondering why do they have the incentive to sort of let him kind of feel this out and play this out as long as possible is, well, there's a rumor that they didn't have his contract insured. Okay. Uh, but ultimately, I know, you know, in terms of Alex Core, the manager, generally cares about Pedroia. was a former teammate of him. And Pedroia said this on Monday. He said, everybody here truly cares about me. And, you know, if you think about what Pedroia means to the organization and what he's accomplished, if he were to force him out as an organization, uh, it just would look really, really bad and just blow up in your face. So I think if you're the Boston Red Sox, guess what? Pedroia is not close to coming back. Uh, the chances of him coming back are slim. You know, I'm not going to rule him out. He's Dustin Pedroia. He can fight through a lot. Um, but what's the point in forcing him out if eventually he's just not going to play for you anyway? Uh, you still have to pay him the money regardless. 
Um, obviously, if he retires, you could probably sneak out of it, but it just doesn't make sense to move on from Dustin Pedroia <laughs> uh, and let him take his time. And, you know, it's unfortunate, but it is what it is, right? Um, Marco Hernandez, on the other hand, you know, is as a player who's had a shoulder injury and he's missed the last two seasons. He's worked his way back and obviously a much younger player than Dustin Pedroia. But you can work your way back from injuries that may be considered career ending. And, you know, Pedroia has been recovering from this injury for a long, long time. And pulling himself out of a game, at least now he's realizing that, hey, this is the reality of the situation. And I need to take care of my body. And I can't just ignore this. And I have to face facts. And I think that's what you're seeing out of Pedroia over the last couple of months, at least, in terms of him recognizing, hey, I have an issue here. It doesn't feel right. And I need to pull myself out of this game. Uh, and the fact that he's actually opening up to the media in the sense that, hey, the reality is I'm not sure if I'm going to ever play baseball again. That's a huge 180 from Dustin Pedroia. And I think the candidness and the realization is quite refreshing with Pedroia. Um... Only time will tell if he will ever suit up in a Red Sox uniform again. I moved on to the Pawtucket Red Sox. Their season has not gone according to plan. They are 19 and 29 on the season through Memorial Day. They were four and four on their eight-game road trip that finished up at the Rochester Red Wings. They're 10 games below 500. Uh, it has truly been a rough season for this Pawtucket Red Sox team. In the month of April, the offense had a rough go of it. And the starting pitching staff looked serviceable. And as a whole, the pitchers had a very good month of April. But in the month of May, that is sort of switched on this Paw Sox team. Uh, the offense has come around. And quite frankly, the pitching has not. Uh with the exception of the bullpen. So, you know, they've gotten one quality start in the last 10 games. It's really been up to the starters who have sort of let them down, uh, not being able to go deep in ball games, And it has really caused quite the problem for Billy McMillan in terms of managing his bullpen and his innings and getting people in. And it came to the point on Memorial Day when, you know, Matthew Kent ran into a five-run fifth inning where they had to remove him and put in Erasmo Ramirez as starter. Uh, Ramirez only pitched 33 pitches, I believe, on Saturday night in a range Jordan game. Gave up six runs in that one inning of work, but he came in for Billy on Memorial Day, and they needed him to be worked. Uh, an inning and two-thirds uh, on 28 pitches. So he should be fine. He's in line to start on Thursday for the Paw Sox, but you know, it truly has been a, uh, an issue for them to get everything on the same page in 2019. On Tuesday, they have a doubleheader, so no rest for the weary. They'll have a doubleheader. Well, you're going to be hearing this on Tuesday, so they have it today. Josh Smith's on the mound, and bullpen game for game two. Uh, this is a team that's had quite a bit of doubleheaders this season. Um, they are 4-10 in doubleheaders. They were 0-8 in the month of April, uh, and in the month of May, they're four and two in doubleheaders so turn it around a little bit um in the last couple of weeks especially they've started to play some better baseball but you know certainly a concern for the Pawtucket Red Sox go forward and early with minor league baseball you really expect this player development um and you hope to get that and you get guys on track and all of that and you sort of challenge them to make plays that they're going to be expected to do at the major league level and they've 
been able to do that for the most part. Um, I think one thing you've learned is outside of Mike Shorn and Teddy Stankowitz, you don't really have any other option for starters within the Pawtucket Red Sox organization at this point. Um, you know, Rasmus Ramirez was up there. He got hit in New York. Um, hasn't looked the same in Pawtucket since then. Josh Smith had a rough year. When Ryan Weber was with the Paw Sox, he didn't look that great either. Uh, looked like a different pitcher with Boston, but, you know, just stating the facts, he had an ERA over five with the Paw Sox. And if you just look at, you know, their stats this season, they have two starters. Two of their full-time starters are under a five ERA this season. Everybody else is above five. Um... That is truly, truly uh, terrible. Uh, Teddy Stinkowitz has the lowest ERA of a starter. He has six starts. He's a 3.38 ERA. Mike Shorn, through 10 games, has been their most consistent pitcher. He has a 3.72 ERA in 10 starts. But, you know, Chandler Shepard, who was DFA'd by the Boston Red Sox and picked up by uh, Chicago Cubs and now the Baltimore Orioles organization with the Norfolk Tides, had a 10.0 ERA before getting released. Ryan Weber had five starts. He had a five ERA. Um, Erasmus Ramirez has a 5.86. Josh Smith, 6.10. You go up and down this list. You know, Matthew Kent, uh, four starts as an 11 ERA. You know, it truly speaks to the troubles that they've had in the starting rotation. But if you look at the bullpen, a guy like Trevor Kelly, a Rhode Island native, 16 appearances, 1.21 ERA. He gets the most wins on the team with four. You know, you sort of go through this list, and it is truly concerning um, how bad their starting has pitching has been. So, if you are the Boston Red Sox, you definitely are concerned about your starting pitching depth. Um, finishing up on this Paw Sox team, you know, Marco Hernandez uh, has appeared in ten games this season for them. He is thirty-eight at bats. He has a three uh, sixty-eight batting average. Five strikeouts, one walk. He has two home runs, four RBIs, um, six combined extra base hits. He's played the field for them. Um, obviously, Marco is coming back from a shoulder injury that has sort of lingered him for the last two seasons, and it's been a slow road for him. Uh, he started this year with the Salem Red Sox, but he's made that jump to Triple A Pawtucket, and his success is certainly something that could be on Boston's radar soon in terms of him being called up. Uh, I know they activated him from his rehab assignment a long time ago at this point and gave him the opportunity to work his way back slowly. But, you know, ultimately, if his back continues to be as good as it has been, you could see Marco Hernandez on Boston's radar in the future. For the latest Paw Sox news, make sure to follow me on Twitter at Tanner Rebello. The New England Revolution are not playing at home for another month. Uh, after their draw with DC United on Saturday night, the rest have one more game at the LA Galaxy next Sunday. They're traveling there on Saturday. And after that, they have a nice long break. Uh, they return home to host the Philadelphia Union, I believe, on June 26th. And there's a lot of confusion going on in the Revs world, um, predominantly of when will Bruce Arena, the new sporting director and head coach, take over as the head coach of the New England Revolution. For the last three matches, it was this brand interim head coach, Mike Lapper, who was the assistant to Brad Friedel, who has taken over the coaching job. 
and he's done a pretty good job at it. Uh, the Revs haven't lost a game in that three-game stretch. They've only given up two goals uh, compared to the previous two games under Brad Freidel, where I believe they gave up five against Chicago, six against Philadelphia Union. Um, so they stopped leaking goals uh, under Mike Lapper. They stopped playing the ball out at the back because they're not good at doing that. Um, started playing it up in the mid, trying to get the ball to Carles Heel and Christian Pena, get them on the ball as much as possible. I know in his press conference on Saturday, Lapper discussed about working Pena and Carles Heel like dogs, making them tired because they're on the ball so much. And that strategy has seemingly worked for Lapper. Uh, the Revs have just outgridded and battled teams. They're not going to play anybody off the field, but they certainly have the ability to grind out draws. I don't know about wins yet. Um, and they're going to need to start winning games uh, in order to get some points here because you can't keep on getting one point, one point, especially when you're on home field. But going against a D.C. United side that's quite good, um, especially led by Wayne Rooney. They were without Paul Areola, of course, but it's a good D.C. side. So you took a draw on them. You played a man down in an incident that was kind of like, oh, no, wow, type of moment. In the 56th minute, uh, Revs goalkeeper Matt Turner leveled Wayne Rooney. In a moment, I think everyone in the press box was sort of in shock about. And I don't think it was intentional, and I don't think Rooney thought it was intentional. He said it was like being in a car crash. Um, and I think everyone who saw the play and was on the field at the time knew that Turner sort of misjudged that ball. Um, I know fellow goalkeeper Brad Knighton, who actually came in after Turner was shown a straight red, said it's a 50-50. Anybody can get it if the wind pick and pick it up. The ball can skip off the turf in any direction. So Turner just misread the ball, and to be frank with everybody, if Turner hadn't stepped up, if he had just typically played that ball, there's a very good chance Wayne Rooney, who's once was one of the best strikers in the world, uh, obviously probably one of the better strikers in MLS, but... Probably would have put that ball in the back of the net. So if Turner didn't do that, the refs probably would have been down one nothing. Shortly after seeing straight red, Brad Knight made a lunging save on a ball by Wayne Rooney, who actually got up and took that free kick. And uh, you know, night after the game, so that's the nature of our position. You got to be ready at a moment's notice, and he certainly was. Um, and that sort of inspired the New England Revolution to go up and get a goal. It was Christian Pena. Sending the cross into the center box where Juan Aguadelo was waiting and heading it in. Um, Aguadelo said he dunked on him after the game. And that save by Knighton sort of was giving the confidence to the revolution that, hey, you know, Matt Turner's out. This is a game-changing goalkeeper for us this season. But Knighton's ready for the challenge. And he certainly was. And the revolution should have honestly and frankly won this game. Um, in the 90th minute, Brandon By was protecting his face uh, with his hand, and it was ruled an infraction. And ultimately, you know, Wayne Rooney was given a penalty kick. Uh, Wayne Rooney is certainly a politician. He's definitely, certainly deserving of being on DC United. The fact that he is in Washington DC because he did, for, quite frankly, lobby the officials throughout the entire game, and he was awarded a penalty kick. And that penalty kick, uh right by the outstretched glove of Brad Knighton, who, in fact, read the play correctly. He went in the right direction. He just couldn't get there quick enough. Wayne Rooney, world-class, and um, tied up the game, and they were given seven minutes of stoppage time, and the Revs held out, and 
that defensive back line, they were clearing the ball all over the place. They were slotting blocks. Um, it, it was a good game for the New England Revolution against a tough team in D.C. United. Unfortunately, they get one point instead of three. Um, and now you look forward to potentially Bruce Arena on the sidelines next Sunday at the LA Galaxy. Um, personally, I think it'd make more sense go into the break, have Arena install his staff at that point in time. Kind of sets up perfectly that way. And then after the break, Arena's the head coach on the sideline. Maybe you keep Mike Lapper, maybe you don't. It's kind of tough for a coach like Arena to come in and keep someone on the technical staff. But I think if you watch the way Lapper sort of uh, holds himself and the way the team respects him, um, you maybe consider keeping him on. I don't. I probably not though. Uh, just you know, based on logic. Would tell me that, that that's not the case. I think Mike Lapper deserves a head coaching job somewhere, um, whether it be at the MLS level this season or at the USL level. Maybe he'll go to London United, uh, where apparently Bruce Arena has tapped that head coach to be his assistant. Um, not official yet, but that's at least the rumor right now. So, you know, frankly, I think Arena should hold off, but going against his former. LA Galaxy side, maybe he, uh, you know, his ego gets the better of him and abandon his stature. I wouldn't be shocked if his ego gets the better of him. And he ends up on that uh, that sideline against the LA Galaxy. Um, we'll certainly see. It's been a crazy couple weeks in uh, Rev's land with the departure of Brad Friedel and then Mike Burns. But um, if recent play is any indicator, this team can play. Um, not one of the better teams in the league. Still not there. Uh, Still have a lot of issues, but you know they're not. They're kind of protecting their weaknesses in that back line, and they're playing through their strengths. And you know, I think on Saturday nights, um, you saw Carles Hill have one of his better games in a while. Uh, they really foco- focused themselves to go through him, and then also Christian Pena early in the season. Pena was on and off the 18, on in and out of that starting lineup, and you know now he's the focal point, right? of that offense and he was last season he was their top goal scorer and on the ball on Saturday he looked pretty good um wasn't able to finish unfortunately but did have that nice assist to Juan Agudelo who scored his third goal of the year so that's a revolution talk make sure to follow me on twitter at Tanner Rebello and get the latest in New England Revolution news Let's talk a little Boston Cannons. The Major League Lacrosse franchise is starting a fresh leaf on June 1st. And you know, there's been a lot of shakeup in MML this offseason. Uh, you know, they eliminated three teams from the league. Um, there's only six teams now instead of nine. The Boston Cannons, which were one of the founding teams, remain part of the mix. And rightfully so, they... They made a move this offseason to get a new venue. They made a lot of moves, quite frankly. Um, first off and foremost, they're going to be on NBC Sports Boston. So they're going to be in millions of households in the region and um, bringing lacrosse across New England. And they're going to have a good product this year, like they've had the l- last couple of seasons. And they're going to be in Veterans Memorial Stadium. Uh, this, they put, I believe, over a million dollars into the stadium. They put a new scoreboard, new seating. The turf is f- incredible. It's located in the heart of Quincy. And the K 
Cannons should be a team you are looking out for, and lacrosse should be. But there's a lot of competition coming into the market. The Premier Lacrosse League, PLL, is also entering the fray. I know they have a game at Gillette Stadium. It's sort of like a, a rotating sort of showcase-type league all over the country playing in the biggest venues. Uh, like I said, they're playing in Gillette, but they're playing in big California Stadium, the home of the L- LAFC. You know, and they have a big partnership with NBC, uh, where the Cannons are on NBC Sports Boston. PLL is going to be on NBC, like NBC, NBC, and then on NBC Sports for, quite frankly, a good portion of their game. Um, it's kind of funny, uh, based on just percent of games. Premier Lacrosse League, I'm pretty sure, is on NBC more than the NHL is. Just, I'm, I mean, I know it's a lot less games and everything, but. Sort of interesting. They have that partnership and that base, and they have a lot of money backing that league. Or Major League Lacrosse seems to have money kind of shuffling away from it. Um, but they're getting talent. And one reason to be optimistic if you're a Boston Cannons fan is the fact that they got Zach Goodrich to sign with them. Uh, this is a player that had opportunities with the Premier Lacrosse League, and people were really unsure where he was heading, and he chose the Boston Cannons and Major League Lacrosse. And that's huge for them. Uh, he comes out of Towson and a really, really good player. Um, as a midfielder, he doesn't score a ton of goals. Um, but really what he does is his defensive game. Um, he only logs 16 goals and three assists in his NCAA career, but he excels in transition. He grabbed 152 ground balls and caused 65 turnovers. And in his senior season, he actually had some of the face-off duties. He helped Towson win over 70% of their draws. Um, so he had other options, and he chose the Boston Cannon. So that's a huge win for Major League Lacrosse to be able to get these young players in and get the top players as they'll come to them, um, which you know is not an easy thing to do with the competition of PLL. And you know, obviously, if you're a player, you have to go where you're going to get the paycheck. Um, but, you know, it's a young man's game, and there's a lot of roster turnover. But if you look at this Cannons roster, there's a lot of local players. A lot of local players on this roster, um, and a lot of really good players on the roster that have come in. And, you know, if you were watching them last year, this is a very different team, and lots of it has to do with the amount of rookie selections and the drafts, and then you had the reallocation draft. So a lot of moving parts uh, coming in. To this major league lacrosse season that kicks off and you know it's a shortened season there's less teams um you got to put a good product on the field and there's enough good young players if you've been watching the ncaa tournament uh, at all you know there's some talented kids coming out of college right now to play lacrosse and uh, a lot of them are going to be on the boston cannon so it should be an exciting season make sure to stay tuned at trifectanetworksports.com for the very latest in the boston cannons news now finishing things up on episode one of the Ten Rebolo show we're going to do a three up and three down it's primarily going to consist of obviously the teams that i cover but you know i think today will be a little bit different um three up this one's an easy one mike lapper uh, the interim head coach of the new england revolution they're one oh and two Two goals allowed in six halves of soccer since installing him as the interim head coach after relieving Brad Freidel of his coaching duties. 
simplified the way things occur. Uh, they stopped playing the ball to the back, playing the ball through guys like Carly Seal, Christian Pena, having a guy like Juan Agudelo hold the ball up. They're just playing smarter football and sorry, soccer. <laughs> and ultimately, they're playing to their strengths and not their weaknesses. Um, and defensively, they look way better. Obviously, two goals and six halves is impressive. Um, you know, see guys like Andrew Fiel, Jaleel Anababa, Brandon Bai, uh, Dewan Jones moving to the back, and, and they're just clearing balls all over the place. They're tackling, um, they're playing physical, and they're playing smart. Um, so, candidly, looks like a different soccer team. So, one up to Mike Lapper. Number two, Domingo Tapia. Uh, ERA is over four on the year, 26 in the third innings pitch for the Pawtucket Red Sox, but he pitched four scoreless innings on Sunday in relief, only one hit allowed. Touch 100 on the radar gun. Uh, yeah, that's a tip of the cap to Domingo. Then Marco Hernandez, um, who I talked about earlier in the show, he's batting over 300, coming back from that shoulder injury. Uh, appeared in 10 games, should be on everyone's radar, so he's definitely a positive. Three down, uh, Rasmo Ramirez, uh, he gave up six runs in one inning. Um, ERA is under six now, but it was over six in 33 and two-thirds innings pitched. Um, to this sort of change, I had him on my list, um, but he did appear in Monday's game, so his ERA dropped to 5.86 and 35 in a third innings pitched. Slightly better, came out of the bullpen. Um, a little bit different, but Rosemar Ramirez really, in terms of this being a down, is the entire starting rotation for the Pawtucket Red Sox. It's a down. Um, they simply have not been good. Uh, number two being down, Brad Freil, former New England Revolution head coach. It clearly appears now that the team did not want to play for him, although they have not said it publicly. It appears that way now. Um, number three down, Matt Turner. Handed a red card. Unfortunately, you know, really not his fault. He misjudged a ball. Uh, leveled Wayne Rooney, the striker for DC United. The reason why he's down is simply because Bruce Arena could be taking over this week, and next week Matt Turner's not available. Um, he was, quote-unquote, Matt Mike Lapper's guy. Uh, Turner's been good this season. He was good last year outside of a couple games, and unfortunately, you know, now he has to work his way back into the conversation because he is serving a one-game suspension. I mean, he could come back and he could be the guy for Bruce Arena, but unfortunately for the LA Galaxy game, he's not available, and that's considered being down. So that's it here on the Tanner Rebello Show, the first episode. I'll try to keep him short and sweet, talking about a number of different topics. Check back in next week for the latest episode. Thank you for listening.